Yes. Oh my goodness! Actually, <gasps> <laughs> who knew? What did we do? <laughs> Excitement and then crushing defeat. <laughs> so funny. How are you anyway? This could be, you actually gave me a chance to kind of catch my breath because I've been out for a run. Oh wow! Was it a nice one? It was just a short little recovery run. It was nice. One. It, was, it was very windy actually. I think that storm is. Oh. Every time. Yeah. So you're, you? go you're not going out tonight. No, no, that was no it. dark running. Tonight. <laughs> no dark running today. Yeah. All right, I managed to do uh, fifty plus miles in the first three days of the week, so I'm pretty chuffed for myself. <laughs> Whoa, fifty miles already! That's incredible. Yeah. Well, Mondays to Wednesdays are my easiest days to run because I'm in the office, so I can yeah. run in and out. Right, and it just logistically works better. So I tend to do double runs on those days and like front load my week now. Yeah. So like I've got a day off today and then I'll do something pretty light for the rest of the week. And then so oh. I'm starting to do like long runs Monday morning, which is sort of weird, but also kind of nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, why not? Yeah. It's about that seven so it's, it's, day interval, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to freak everyone out on Strava and all the groups you're a part of. Well. You're going to be like, shit, Jill has 50 miles and it's just Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll realise I didn't do any other miles the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What you just heard was me, Kaiser and Jill trying to get the ball rolling on our podcast. This is a new thing for a women's roundup in 2020 and we're both very new to it so please please be patient with bad sound quality mumbling giggling uh, not really knowing how to edit yet so this is this is a pilot basically that's what it is we're going to jump straight into a conversation because um yes you might have figured out from this little intro chat we had some troubles connecting and yeah so here we go, jumping straight on to a conversation about uh, Des Linden visiting Kara Goucher's podcast and some Nike bands. I'll be back in the end of the episode again with some finishing notes. Enjoy! Listen to the um, Clean um, Sport podcast. Kara Goucher does it. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And, really yeah, it's really good. Um, and they had Des Linden on this week. Um, Des was talking again about... Um, about making the switch and and sort of saying how she knows she's going to find it hard, hit it hard, but she's like really excited about it. I don't know. Um, I think she can transition pretty smoothly. Well, that's what Cara said because obviously yeah. Cara's done the transition, but I think she's found mm. it quite like she's been conscious that it is really hard work. But yeah. she was like, "Des, I think you're used to the kind of you love the hard stuff, so I yeah. think you'll find it easier." But then they were laughing about. She said it's all down to whether you can um, go downhill fast on technical trails. That's the make or break. <laughs> so. I mean, that's how you make up time. So doesn't Des run quite? a lot on trails already i think yeah i think so and i think yeah, she, she just like loves it as well yeah like, i think she's holding so back you know i think she's probably pretty good already i don't know i mean we talked about it before didn't we? but like i feel like she she doesn't treat it as like oh i've used up my best years on the road i'm no. just gonna like smash the trails now la 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 i can do it kind of thing i think she respects it enough that it's i don't know yeah no she seems more... yeah as you say she seems genuinely excited yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that. I think the roads are quite silent at the moment, right? Is everyone gearing up for um, Olympic trials? Uh, yeah, so um, 
On the road front, yeah, there's not been much going on over Christmas in as far as actual road running action is concerned. Mm. I mean, there's been plenty of kind of chatter going on. Um, obviously, like the shoe things kicked off this week. Yeah. Um, you want again, to talk about that? Again. Yeah. So it was funny because um, was it yesterday morning, uh, the Daily Mail of all outlets broke a story <laughs> saying that <laughs> that the Nike um, next percents were going to be banned, uh, but that they were going to let um let the women's world record stand um but was, and the headline was you know shoe to be banned etc but when you obviously typically when you scroll down the article it said they're looking at mm. banning uh, uh limiting the midsole height stack height which is what everyone's been talking about for quite some time yeah. and it wasn't the weird thing was it didn't say the iaf say they're going to do this there was no quotes it was a bit odd so i kind of messaged a few friends about it thinking oh it's just the daily mail kind of you know chasing a headline but then it started appearing on the times and a few other websites as well so it seemed to get some traction but then this Maybe morning over in the uk right it just seemed yes interesting. yes so that was a really interesting thing because then um uh uh women's fast running in america um or fast women um diagnosis tweeted like late last night saying this is really interesting this completely like uncredited um, story which started in the UK has finally kind of got um, a bit of traction in America although it's mainly the UK out that's saying this mm. but then the Guardian this morning reported that you know that hadn't happened there's still debates going on amongst the IAF and but they are nonetheless looking at it right so what it sounds like is there's there's ongoing debates this week there's obviously some kind of big head honcho meeting going on yep. to think about what they do i mean realistically i think the general consensus is there's no way you can ban an existing shoe i mean there's so what are you going to do with all of the races that have been run what are you going to do for you know small race organizers who have people turning up yeah. in the shoe that they've bought and kicking off so i think what I mean, they're saying is limited to the top say top 50 elite runners in that case yeah so you could have a rule like you know some races say you can only be um a winner you can only podium if you're not wearing headphones they could do that kind of thing i guess but i mean that doesn't leave that doesn't solve the issue of what you do with people who've qualified for your olympic qualifying time with them and things like that so i think what will happen you know I'm outside the loop, but it feels like what will happen is they'll limit they'll limit the midsole height, mm. and they'll say that any future iterations are banned, and try and kind of level the playing field a bit so that people have to work within those parameters. But they'll let anything, you know, they'll let people use the shoes that they've got, as yeah. it were. So, we, you know, obviously what will happen is the companies with the most money will have the best situation to be able to then work within that parameter yeah. and fill whatever that stack height is to the maximum so you're still going to have you know slightly something of an arms race but i think it will take more time as well because obviously they'll have to go back to the drawing board they can't just keep you know pumping further springs in so that will be an interesting one to see how that one plays out and also you know the fact remains that the other shoe companies will have things up their sleeves and we already know oh, that yeah. new balance have something going on i would have thought adidas are working on things um Hope so, run as well right? yeah the carbon x yeah i've been using that actually so i i you know all cards on the table i own a pair of next percent and four percent <laughs> and i also own a pair so of how carbon do you, x how do you find them because i i have not tried any what do you notice have you not no so it's funny because i i actually to run it and i i prefer and i feel the benefit like I noticed the benefit kind of on a feeling 
weight of the four percents more than the next percents okay, they feel interesting but but everyone says that the actual difference in speed is much more in the next percents and they really have ramped it up i mean you feel like you're bouncing around it's the you don't get that fatigue in quite the same way you can go churn out the same run and you don't get the same aches right um that's a big winner with those shoes as much as the bounciness i mean the bounciness is there so it's not it's not the carbon plate in the in the next percent it's the the foam and the return it gives you right um but you do it gives you that kind of pre-race jitter feeling yeah you've got that kind of like i can't stop my feet moving that kind of thing that's what i had i've had it also like when it is about they kind of great how it leans forward a bit so it makes it kind of it's almost impossible not to move once you're in them yeah and interestingly the carbon x does that but in a different way so right the carbon x has a plate in it as well mm. but it's got the meta rocker so it literally rocks you forwards and it kind of feels like you're running downhill yeah so you put them on and even if you're like oh, i'm not in the mood for running fast you kind of and almost feel like you're falling forwards um i found with the meta rocker it encourages me to run in a bet with better form because mm. you're being rocked forward, you kind of you feel like you have to keep your feet feet facing forwards to make the most of that. Yeah. Whereas with the vaporflies, um, not the vaporflies, sorry, the next percent, you if you've got bad form, it's probably going to exacerbate it because they're so, kind of so stacked and so springy that you know if you pronate, you're probably going to fall in even more. Yeah. So the only problem is, are you storing up injuries for yourself if you run in them a lot? But you're probably not going to because they're so expensive that you're only going to use them for race day. So yeah, how, so how much mileage have you got out of yours, and do you, do you see any wear on them? So my four percent, I did, I think, four ten k before I kind of went. Mm, these don't feel quite as springy anymore, um, and I think that's probably the most that you can get out of them. That's still pretty good. Four marathons, it's a hundred miles, and. Yeah, I mean, I've people after two, but I wouldn't do that just because I'm too stingy. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but that said, they've not got the the ultimate spring that they had when I bought them, mm. but I now use them sometimes to train in if I want a bit of an easy life that day. Mm. And they're still, like, notice they're fun to run in. They're really fun. Yeah. Um, they're not wearing out. It's just that they haven't got that, like, instant feeling of return. Mm um the other so yeah that's that's kind of the interesting road news i've got shoes in big letters <laughs> on my notes for today the other stuff uh this week is um london marathon it's been a leap mm. week so we've had the nine up uh released um which is quite fun so on the women's list oh my goodness it is on fire for um well for the uk women obviously we've got um jess Charlotte Purdue, so Jess Piasecki, Charlotte Purdue, Steph Twell, and um, Steph Davis all have the Olympic qualifying time. So if they finish top yeah. two, because there were no pre selections over Christmas, which get into that, if they finish top two, they automatically get a place, and then the third is up to the selectors. Mm. So they will be um, a little bit more comfortable. They won't be looking for a time, but then you've got the likes of. Um, You've got like Jenny Spink, you've got Tracy Barlow, Lee Partridge, Hayley Carruthers is going to be wanting it. Uh, Elsie Davis came out of nowhere at uh, Valencia to run 234, can probably take another chunk off. You've got Hoka athlete Alice Wright, uh, he's based in America, coming over to do her debut. 
Um, so you've got a load who are going to be chomping at the bit to get that Olympic time and the place so as well. It so it'll be interesting. Well, so you've got you've got the four who've got the time who aren't interested in being fast. They just want mm. the place. And then you've got everyone else who's going to be wanting to push on and get that time. So it'll be interesting to see who of those who don't have the Olympic time yeah. are willing to go out and put their necks on the line to try and push that oh. pace. My money would be on Hayden Brothers. <laughs> How did uh, Elise Davis race in Valencia? Did she go out fast? Um, she went out a bit faster than was expected, mm. I think. Um, she wasn't going for quite that time, but everything kind of seemed to slot into place. But it was pretty consistently paced, I think, from memory. Mm. Um, I think she was super excited with how it went. In fact, she actually said in an interview that Barcelona Marathon, I wish I could remember the time off my top of my head, was her kind of breakthrough this year, as opposed to actually the the Valencia thing, because oh. that was where she was a step up in her pace. Um, she is trained by um, Helen Clitheroe, um, who is like a stalwart of the long distance running, sort of mid to long distance running t- uh, scene. Um, but they've kind of got her through having done um have having had quite a few injury issues and things like that so it's time for her to kind of show up and see what she can do obviously lily partridge ran valencia but had to pull out again so we don't really yeah. know what she's got tracy barlow's kind of working her way back up after having a bit of a bad patch a few years ago she's kind of she's looking good at the moment she's gaining confidence um jenny spink ran 231 in frankfurt absolutely mm. grinning the whole way looks really easy so she's probably got yeah i remember seeing your pictures of her yeah, yeah. Having I, a I would absolutely <laughs> love her to do amazingly yeah um yeah so i don't know really who who i'd go for i'm surprised they didn't um pre-select charlotte purdy yeah i think that would have been fair yeah exactly do, do they comment on it does anyone kind of question no that they've position? never no, and I spoke to a few of the ladies about it. Um, and I mean, Jess Piseki said she never really expected to be pre-selected because she knows that she's not. Because one of the pre-selection criteria is you must have medal potential. And she's, um, and she's like, you, you know, you can't for sure say that I've got that because mm. I've only run one marathon. Mm. So that's kind of fair enough. Yeah, Steph Twell, I think, is more borderline on that. Probably, you know, she's got a little bit more um, background in racing, although not over, over the marathon. She's before mm. um, but Charlotte Perdue, I mean I mean she's not got medal potential in that you know an Olympic marathon there's going to be you know a heck load of people who are very fast so yeah she'd have to run the rest of her life to get a, me- a medal but that's the case I think for any of our ladies yeah probably yeah but you know she's proved that she works hard and that she's she's not prone to injury she can get through a training cycle she can take chunks off her PB she can run a hard race mm. Um. Yeah. So it seems odd. I think yeah. that they didn't pre. Yeah. But it means London is going to be a. <laughs> yes, but I mean it's basically Olympic qualifier. Like yeah. we've almost got the American one. We kind of wish we had, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's just it's a little bit close, maybe to yeah. the big event. Yeah, but it's, like, that's also but... questionable because you actually maybe yeah. embrace quite. In marathon times, quite close to the big race day. Yeah, which is why it's a shame. Like for Charlotte Purdy, for example, mm. if they'd have said to her, "Right, you've got the place," yeah. so she could just focus on 
the Olympics. But... Yeah, because you're giving someone optimal medal chances. Sadly, how does it? So does it, does uh, the US have any pre-selection, or is it all down no, to this? No, it's all down to well, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So that brings me on to uh, kind of the only other the big race this weekend, really, uh, marathon and half marathon wise, is the Houston half or Houston. Um, so that's happening. There's there's the full and the half. That is the last, last, last opportunity for people to get Olympic trials qualifying time. Oh, you can get them this close. Okay. That's... Yes. Yes. I think it's the last, last one. Um, so CIM is the one that most people use, but you can still get it on this one. Yeah. But most of them, most of the people who've got it already are going to be doing the half as kind of, there's loads of them doing it as a tune-up race. Mm. Uh, so it will be interesting to see some form. Yeah. But also... Guess who else is doing the half? One Steph Twelve. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well as Sarah English, but it will be interesting to see what Steph Twelve yeah uh, throws out because that will give us a little idea of you know what she's thinking for London. Yeah, because what is is very similar kind of tune up race for London that most of the elite runners usually do. Um, not really. I mean. No, I mean, some of them use Reading. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, there's not quite the same, really. Not one that kind of everyone uses. I mean, Houston is just stacked. There's also mm. one of the Rock and Roll Series ones. Might be Philadelphia. I can't remember happening this weekend, which a few of them are using. But, yeah, Houston is just the one that they all use. But it's not, yeah, not quite the same in the UK. Yeah. And then you've got, like, um, Sarah Hall, Molly Huddle, um, Alephine Tullymuck, um, you've got a bunch of the Canadians like Laura Thwaite, uh, Katie German, all those kind of guys. Um, you've got one really interesting one, Japanese lady called um, Nia. Ah, I've written it down, but I can't read my writing. Um, <laughs> she, she retired in 2014. Oh. Uh, her last half marathon in 2008, last marathon in 2009, was running like 3,000s on the track. Got plantar fasciitis, retired, and has now come back out did a bit of track racing last year in Japan and was like, oh, I'm going to keep it, you know, I'm not going to go back to the marathon, but suddenly rocked up to do Houston Park. So, wow. I don't know if she's playing that, but she'll be an interesting one to watch. Very interesting. Yeah. And then you've got Alexi Papas running the full. So she's the one who's um, Greek-American lady. She did Berlin last year. Um, she's got like a uh, 2.34, but she's definitely got an Olympic qualifying time in her. Mm. Um, so I think she'll be gunning to get that and then go to the trials with the time already under her belt as well. So how far out are we from the trials now? Because it's the quite short time of recovery then if you bust out the marathon this weekend. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's Atlanta is in uh, February. What's the exact date? 29th. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a tight turnaround if you it's wanted month, to do right? both. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously you've got Des who's doing the trials in February and then Boston in April <laughs> and then potentially the Olympics. <laughs> well, she's ultra training, so she's, you know... That is true. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just doing this sensible thing, really. <laughs> yeah. She's just making it all work for her, isn't she? Yeah. She's having a laugh at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's been quite a big week of uh, elite announcements in the trail world as well, actually. Oh, yeah. Because we've had, so both, well, we've known some of the elites for UTMB in the run-up to the ballot results, because we obviously get a spot guaranteed. But mm -hmm. there's always a big... was looking at that, wasn't it? 
TDS is kind of a least stacked at the moment. Oh, okay. But oh, no, that was the one where you said it was only the really, really tough ladies doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think people were a bit scared of it from seeing how long it took the runners to get through last year on the new course. Also, it's, we've had a lot of people moving out from TDS. So the, the top three of TDS last year are all running UTMB this year. Seeing how little, how kind of a small the difference is effort-wise between UTMB and TDS with a new TDS course, it will be very interesting. And we also have a lot of, because at the same time where Ultra Trade World Tour released, because they always get, a, I think we get 10 spots for Western States, and they mm -hmm. released them as well. And there's a few people who are lining up to do a double. Beth Pascal famously did it last year with great success. I don't know if that might be a thing that kind of spurred other people to think that it's actually doable and you can kind of turn around from the fast course of Western State to a more gritty UTMB. So it's, what, so I can't remember what the time frame different. like what's the difference? So how long the gap? So Western State is the last weekend of June and mm -hmm. UTMB is the last weekend of August. Wow. So I mean you can I mean, you, people think marathoners are crazy for doing <laughs> marathons that close together. <laughs> I mean you will you can obviously use the same training and just yeah. kind of make sure you recover. But then it's it's a bit because Western States is more of a running running ultra where it's UTMB is more hiking and enduring yeah. and yeah, yeah just, it's quite different. Just surviving. It is different. <laughs> but so we have so Camille Heron, for example, she was one of the Ultra Trail World Tour uh, entrance to the Western States. I don't know if she's going to do it, but she's on the list for UTMB this year. Ooh. Oh, but she's also saying she's doing comrades again, which we're not. <laughs> do you reckon she'd run UTMB in her uh, <laughs> next sense? <laughs> yeah, she's she never takes them off her feet, does she? <laughs> she just sticks some spikes on them, yeah, some she's... like snowshoe spikes, and <laughs> go. I don't know if, how serious she is if she's just entered it to have a name in case she wants a go at it. But yeah. Where she is on the starting list behind Courtney. <laughs> who's Courtney. Amazing. And so Courtney Duarte is returning, but she's also said she's doing hard rock, which is even less of a turnover than Western States, because that's in July. Do that turnaround. She can do it, surely. Oh, I mean, she's a Killian, basically. So, she, yeah, she can do it. And yeah. then we have Hilary Allen, Audrey Tangi, and Catherine Gutz have all stepped up. That's a bit of a TDS podium from last year, who's now moving up to UTMB. We have Ragnar mm -hmm. Debats, who won CCC last year, who's also moving up. And then we have Asara Garcia, who were second at OCC. She's also moved up to UTMB. And Lucy Bartholomew is another Western States doubler. She was also picked by the Ultra Trail World Tour. Brittany Peterson, who was second at Western States last year, she did CCC and she's, yeah, she's going to do a double this year and do UTMB. The list is, it is potentially 20 winners on this starting yeah. list. And Sabrina Stanley, who won the Diagonal de Fou, she's maybe my, one of my favorite entries for this year's UTMB. I think she can do great. And is it her first time doing it? I'm not sure she might have done it in the past, but she had a great 2019. So she won Diagonal de Fou, which is, it's pretty much always won by the locals because it's so, it's renowned to be the hardest 100 miler in the world. 
and she's the first huh. American to ever to ever be successful in it. And she won every she entered five more races. I think we pretty much of two of a hundred milers, which she won amongst them the hurt one hundred, and she won the other races she started as well. So she's had yeah she's had a good build up. <laughs> They would be interesting. Yeah. So she's got a lot to build on. Yeah. <laughs> this year. She will be one. Be fascinating. Be, it's such a stacked field. It, it will be I mean, that's so like the it's it's like the London Marathon situation, isn't it? Yeah. You've got all the people you want to see really going for it. And yet, so why do you think that all of a sudden we've got this amazing UTMB field? Is it just that UTMB has built up such a head of steam as kind of being the race to run? I mean, because London, obviously, it's driven by the Olympic cycle, but what what's driving it yeah. for UTMB? I think this year, even though, like, so the number of applicants in general were up 25%. And that's kind of a ratio it's been going the last four years, I think. That's how much mm. kind of every year the interest just gets bigger and bigger. So there was 32,000 people applying for there. Yeah, it's crazy. And so yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's just it is it is a special place to be, and I think it's so many. I think people go and then they return, and then they yeah. bring people with them. People fall in love with it. Yeah, yeah, they want to. They kind of want because it's a hard nut to crack. So you need mm. a few goals, unless you're Courtney. Yep. <laughs> you, need <Yeah. laughs> you, you need a few attempts. So people, I think, you get a lot of returnees, and they go and tell their friends that you, know, you should come and do this race. It's incredible. Yeah. And yeah, it's good. So we are rapidly running out of time. Oh, yeah. It? But uh, what is happening with the spine race? Oh, so, Do we have, yeah. we've got a, ma a, a male finisher, but we've yes, not so, got our first lady yet, have we? No. So John Kelly has finished and <laughs> he did not beat Jasmine Paris time from last year. He was four hours, over four hours out, which is interesting because he's won Barclay, okay. which means he's finished Barclay. So it gives us, at least me, I start thinking that Jasmine probably really could have a good crack as Barkley, which she wants to. But at the moment, yeah. Sabrina Verrier is, mm -hmm. is in the lead. She's getting close. She's, so she's covered 258 out of her 268 miles, so 10 miles okay. out. And she's led from the start, which isn't surprising, because she, she won the summer version of the spine, which is the same course, but okay. obviously in more <laughs> favorable yeah. conditions, because they've had a bad weather year. In yeah, I mean, you've got to be able to deal with the hypothermia. <laughs> oh, it's been so, like, cause we, so we had a storm coming over. Uh, yesterday, it started to snow on all the peaks because they're starting to get up north as well. And yeah, so in the Cheviots, it's been snow. The, some, probably some bits of the Yorkshire Fells as well have been snow covered. So we've been having, yeah, horrendous weather. I listened to, because they do like a daily summary on their Facebook webpage, which is quite mm -hmm. it's good to look at if you want to get an idea of of what it's like. But so the lady who was uh, in fourth, I think she's dropped out now, she, but uh, she, she was telling me that the first quarter of the race, he was knee deep in mud. The first oh quarter, God. the first quarter of 2016. Months. Months. In <laughs> mud. I mean, yeah. Rina, she won the summer spine and she also won the Felsman and she was second at Dragon's back. So she was always the favorite going into the race. And looks like she's going to win. But so behind her is Debbie Martin Consani, mm -hmm. who is, she's kind of a jack of all trades. So she's, uh, she's been in the team GB 24-hour uh, team. I think she's been in the 100-mile team as well. And yeah. she's won the Lakeland 100 
she's completed or finished with Torture Giant and Spartathlon. And she's the current record holder of North Dance Way 100. So very varied resume. But she's pressing on. She's about 20 miles behind. <laughs> These distances are just ridiculous. I guess she's 20 miles behind Sabrina <laughs> at the moment. But in a steady, yeah, she will take second because she has, in her turn, 20 miles down to Patricia Patterson in third. Yeah. So the podium, saw. yeah, she's sorted. Unless wow. I don't, I mean, you, you can pick up an injury over 20 miles. True. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I feel like um, it's a shame in some ways that I don't feel like the race has got the publicity this year that it might yeah. have done. So obviously last year, Jasmine Paris got like mainstream publicity. Yeah, she um, made the record for 12 the, hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I kind of, the little bit of me hoped that therefore people would kind of come back to it and that mm. mainstream media might kind of watch what happened this time. Yeah. And there'd be some amazing stories with the, you know, given the conditions, but it feels like there's been a bit of a, a missed trick there, but you know, maybe, maybe afterwards, maybe people will pick things up. With yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad that it needs something that extreme as what Jasmine did last year yeah. for it to get any attention. Right. Cause it's, it's an incredible achievement to get through it. You reckon Jasmine will be at Barclay this year? I, I mean, I, it would be amazing if because I think she has a, yeah, she has a good chance. So there's a shorter version of a spine race as well. The spine race challenger, which is 108 miles, and that mm-hmm. was won by Elaine Bisson, who's to me pretty unknown. I, so I'm guessing she's a fellow racing lady, and she won in a time of 34:19:05 and beat Sarah Witt, who was second with two hours. And Rebecca Lane, who's a frequent centurion runner, she was fired in forty forty. So that's that's the noob the noob spine if you want to test your feeds. Yeah. And so they'll be I, back next year for more. Yeah, usually that's a transition. But it's long, I mean, hundred miles went up to two hundred and sixty eight. That's it's yeah, a big, that's it's a big, big jump. Yeah. <laughs> and we also in the UK had um, country to capital. Yes. Mm. That can be similar conditions to his spine in terms of mud. But yeah, I heard it was boggy at the beginning. Um, yeah. Sophie Power was saying it was pretty, pretty tough conditions. It was a yeah. very, very fast time, though. So from Carla Molinaro from Clapham Chasers, mm-hmm. she won in the yeah. 5.32. Wow. And yeah, you can compare that. So it's, it's 43 miles, you should say, and about 400 yeah. metres of elevation. And last year, they had a battle between Rebecca Ferry and Kat Simpson. So they were two running together and kind of pushing each other. And they finished in 5.53. So she was over 20 minutes faster and running, judging by uh-huh. the look. Because she, yeah, she was half an hour before second lady. So I'm guessing she's been on her own for most of it. So that's, that's impressive. Yeah, that is amazing. There was also... Well, also oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, did you have something more to say about Carla? Uh, no, no, but I, I have to go. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> I'm really sorry. Can I, can I let you, uh, can I let you record a bit on your own? Um, sorry, I've got a work meeting. I've got to dive into. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't hold you up from that. Right. So as you could hear, we had to cut things short a bit there because Jill had to get off to a meeting. So. Um, well, for us now, it's a bit with me just rambling on my own. 
just to cover up some trail bits that we missed in the actual pod. So we had a fast uh, golden ticket race uh, last weekend and it was um, Bandera 100k and it was won by Isa McDonald. Sorry for pronouncing your name so badly. Isa. I always thought it was Elisa, but now when I'm looking at the letters, I can see that it's actually Isa. So she won in 9.16, which is the second fastest female time of race history. And just eight minutes of uh, Stephanie Wilde's course record from 2017. It's also worth noticing that she was 10 minutes faster than Brittany Peterson's time from last year. And last year, Brittany used this, um, this same race to qualify for Western States, where she finished second. So that's promising for Isa. Uh, last year, she was six at CCC. And from what I can see, she ran to the other 50K races, which she also won. In second was Michelle McGagner, who finished in 9.43. And I learned from Iron Farr that she's only raced locally in Michigan before. But when I looked into it on the ultra sign-up, I saw that she's actually won every race. Be they local, they're still, um, they're still impressive times. And they range from a 10K to 50-miler and dates back to 2015. Um, that's also a good addition to the Western State lineup, I think. It's cool to have a runner who's relatively unknown, but yeah, evidently fast. And in a distant third was Arden Young, who's also from Canada. She finished in 10.42.56. The next golden ticket race is uh, the Black Canyon on the 15th of February. Me and Jill talked a bit of a spine race, but since we finished talking and with the time it's taken me to edit this, uh, we have some results in. So the podium stayed just like it was when we were speaking earlier. And Sabrina Varia won in 108 hours, 87, oh, sorry, yeah, 108 hours, uh, 7 minutes and 17 seconds. The numbers get so confusing when people are out for uh, four days. Um, Debbie Martin Consani held on to second and finished in 118, 36, 23. And in third was Patricia Patterson with 129, 49, 55. And fourth and lastly that's come in so far is uh, Nicola Sommers with 133, 47, 41. I was also going to preview the Hong Kong 100, but the race has actually been a fast one this year and they've already finished. In the first place was Fuzhou um, Tsiang, who was uh, second last year and third the year before. So she's yeah, moved her way up through the podium over the years and had a good day out there. She finished in 11.28.59, which was enough for an eighth place on the overall podium. Very impressive. And behind her, 20, just 20 minutes behind, I should say, was Veronika Radovicova who's a Slovakian athlete who used to do, uh, she used to focus on triathlon, but since moving out to Asia, from what I could tell about a couple of years ago, she's been, yeah, she's been trying her feet on trail running and had a very good 2019, where she won the Asia Trail Masters, which I'm guessing is kind of like the Golden Trail Series or something like that. And this was her first 100k race, I should know. So that's, that's impressive too. And in third was the well-seasoned Ragnar de Bats, who won CCC last year and has had great success on the Skyrunning series. She is currently traveling the world with her family and stopping along 
at nice races that she and Parallel, her partner, has picked, and this was one of them. So, yeah, she was fed in 1204.16, and in fourth was uh, Landy Grayling from South Africa. She was one of her favorites for the Ultra Trail Cape Town in December, but she sadly had to drop out with a pinched nerve that made her glutes seize up. But she got a good revenge today and finished fourth in 1305.42. And in fifth, we have Esther Sillag with 1340.12. And that's all the ladies who's crossed the line at the moment of speaking. I also quickly wanted to run through. Me and Jill kind of mentioning a few of them, but uh, the Western States entries from the Ultra Trail World Tour Commission. And that was Audrey Tanguy, Lucy Bartholomew, Camille Heron, Kili Henniger, and Lucia Buller. All good addition to, to the start, starting field at Western States. Especially interesting to see what Audrey can do on a fast course like this. Cause She's been the second at Mead, uh, Lavaredo, and won TDS this year. So we know she can do Gnarly Mountains, but how will she fare on the fast American trails? Very interesting to see. Right, that's it for this week's Women's Weekly Roundup. As I said <laughs> earlier on, just this is very much a pilot attempt to something we would like to start doing, sort of like a short weekly roundup of what's been going on and what's coming up the next weekend and yeah thank you for sticking with us this far if you have um i promise we'll get better once we get a hang of things well, that's it for now thank you for listening cheerio